Welcome back to another episode of Tolkien with Friends. Um, today we're so happy to welcome back Kelly who joined us in season one for our Mount Doom episode. <laughs> so Yay. welcome back Kelly. And <laughs> Thanks um, for having me. We're so happy you're here. And if um, if you're just now joining us or if you forgot to follow Kelly on the internet, uh, <laughs> why? Uh, but also Kelly, can you just remind folks where they can find you? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm the middle page, and then TikTok, it's the middle dot page because mm-hmm. I didn't get on TikTok fast enough. Yeah, um, but <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just I just post, uh, you know, whatever comes to mind, um, Tolkien stuff, pretty pictures, fun things. On yeah, TikTok. I mean, you know how it goes. Literally, the most gorgeous like tablescapes, <laughs> like bookscapes. <laughs> like, <laughs> so pretty. <laughs> it's all in it's all a mood right if yeah I, I can't be in middle earth like in actuality mm-hmm. then maybe I can create it in like you know my feed yeah I love that so go follow Kelly and <laughs> are you guys ready to talk over hill and under hill let's do it I think so yeah okay cool so okay so I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, sure, there have been deviations from the text in previous episodes that we've been covering this so far. Um, But I feel like this is the first time when Peter doesn't structure the story in the same order as the books. Um, So today, as we mentioned, we're covering chapter four, Overhill and Underhill. And while this chapter more or less starts about an hour and 50 minutes into the extended edition of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, But then at about two hours and 10 minutes in, the movie starts getting into chapter five, Riddles in the Dark, um, and intersplices until about like two hours and 30 minutes in-ish is where I stopped it. Um, So now due to the way we've scheduled guests and so forth we're basically going to ignore everything for when bilbo is separated <laughs> we're not going to talk about it today we're not going to talk about Gollum. Not gonna talk about it <laughs> and it's and it's kind of sad because it is a part that i remember enjoying a lot but i fast forward it so that i wasn't really watching andy circus and bilbo or martin freeman like doing their thing so I, i'm not going to speak to it i just only watched like a couple of seconds of Gollum doing things so um not gonna speak to it it's not super fresh in my mind I have a vague memory of enjoying it previously but that's all I can really say about it right now um and we will be back next time with riddles in the dark um so I probably should have done a two chapter episode but here we are (laughs) we didn't do it I mean there's a lot to talk about in chapter five so yes agree so it's, it's yeah it'll be a good a great episode when you get to it yeah, and you know, when I was first starting to write my notes for this, I was like, eh, I don't really know what I want to focus on. But then as I was like going, you know, following like what the movie was doing and then comparing it to what I wrote down for The Hobbit, I was like, okay, yeah, I do have some stuff. I do have some things. I have yeah. some notes. <laughs> <laughs> so when we last left our group, uh, they were leaving Rivendell, you know, under slightly different circumstances that in the movie, Um, because in the movie or in the book, obviously everything was just like a great time in Rivendell. Nobody was like being judged or anything. And they just went on their merry way, you know? Um, (laughs) uh, Nobody was prefaced. (laughs) Nobody was like, don't go to Erebor. That's silly. That, that wasn't a thing. Everybody was like, okay, I feel great let's 
get on the road, you know? Um, and so, but when we start the movie back up again, we see Thorin and company leaving Rivendell, Rivendell like secretly-ish. Um, like in the previous episode, we had seen the White Council meet and he, you know, Galadriel does the, you knew thing. We're like, <laughs> ha ha, like, yeah, he knew they were leaving. Um, but he was preoccupying Saruman and group. But in this part, we see Gandalf and Galadriel kind of like finishing up their little chat. No kind of like moment of Saruman or anybody being like, hey, where'd those dwarves go? <laughs> I get so whatever, I guess he just dealt with it. Um, so they finish up their little chat. And during this conversation, we learned that Galadriel agrees that Gandalf should be helping Thorin, but she's worried about like growing shadow and you know there may be events set into motion blah 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 and I felt like that seemed like a pretty solid Galadriel thing to say you know but then we have the part of the conversation that I feel like I hear all the time on TikTok the why the halfling and then Gandalf's response of Saruman believes it is only great power that can hold evil in check, but that is not what I have found. I have found it is the small things, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keeps the darkness at bay. And also, I just have to say, I I do love Ian McKellen and everything that he does. When he says darkness at bay, I laugh out loud every time because he says <laughs> at bay. Like, I don't know. It just like gets really low. <laughs> So it tickles me. Um, simple acts of kindness and love. And then, you know, she, he's like, why Bilbo Baggins? Perhaps it's because I am afraid and it gives me courage. And it's like, not in the book, obviously, but everybody, I feel like, loves that moment in the movies. Like, it's very sweet. It's very cute. Yes. Um, it speaks to, I think, like the larger theme of Lord of the Rings. So yeah, it, it does a good job. Yeah. Then it's, you know, to me, there have been a couple moments already that we've seen so far, like where I see Peter Jackson and team like doing this thing where they're hearkening back to stuff in the fellowship of the ring that they didn't get to use previously like last time we saw I think it was last time we saw the I think it was Bofur started to lead a song with the dwarves at dinner and it I think that might be extended but it, they're basically singing this the song that Bilbo writes later that Frodo sings and the prancing pony in Brie which is you know how he ends up falling and hmm. get, getting the ring on his finger but they try to like repackage it as a dwarf song um but it's not uh, the so, man so, of the moon yes oh yeah they have i didn't those. catch that yeah or it maybe might... i haven't even seen it i don't know yeah i didn't remember i think it might only be in okay. the extended cut but it's there it's like when they're complaining about the food mm. you know and so they or they're and they're complaining about the food but they're also complaining about like the music that the elves are playing mm. i mean Which... i bet i mean I bet he was tempted to do a lot of that, right? Because mm -hmm. the nostalgia factor of it being, you know, however many years between the two movies and right. rejoining the world and all of that. I mean, yeah, I get it. So what this point reminds me of, um, and this just might be me, but I want to run this by you guys to see if it 
makes you think of this at all, but um, it feels ever so slightly reminiscent of the, some dialogue from Rivendell and Fellowship, um, dialogue that is not in the movie Fellowship, but in the books. Um, so we have the quote from Elrond at the end of the Council of Elrond chapter, yet oft is the course of the deeds that move the wheels of the world. Small hands do them because they must, while the eyes of the great are elsewhere. And it, it, fe- it feels mm-hmm. like semi-inspired by that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the same vibe, the everyday deeds of ordinary folk is how they put it in this section. I don't know. They could be yeah. cousins in sentiment, I feel like. Um, and with the line about simple acts of kindness and love combined with Bilbo giving Gandalf courage, which is also interesting because we really haven't been focusing on Bilbo that much in this movie, but he, you know, wants to, goes on to say that. It reminds me of the conversation that I had, and this was like pre-Callie joining as my co-host. This one was just me and Anna chilling on Sundays, like talking about it. <laughs> So if you recall back in episode seven, um, we were talking about how Gandalf had been telling Frodo about Rivendell and how it has enough power to withstand the might of Mordor for a while. But he also adds that other places have power, including like a different kind of power that can be found in the Shire. And I went on a whole big rant about how like, I feel like the the thing that makes the Shire powerful isn't like, you know, them being like very wise or very great, but like how their kind of culture is structured and how they really focus on things that are pretty ordinary, but also very joyful, like food and drinking and smoking tobacco. They give gifts, like they're very giving to their friends and family, you know, they're it's just like a whole different vibe in the Shire compared to everywhere else. And I don't know it just kind of made me think about that whole conversation we had about like you know small acts of kindness and love I feel like that is peak shire stuff you know what I mean um so it's just giving fellowship Rivendell vibes in this section to me yeah I think I mean I don't think you're mistaken in that at all it I think those quotes in particular are hitting the nail on the head Thanks. And you heard it here. I'm right always. Sorry. (laughs) That's exactly what I said. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, that's that moment. I think it's cute. Uh, However, like, can we for just half a second, like, what is that energy between Galadriel and, and Gandalf in this part where they're like holding hands for a second? I was like, I don't think does anybody have an answer to that I I think I think it's always been like a the fuck moment I don't think the question of the fuck has been answered no I I don't believe so and I'm just kind of like yeah you're both like old and stuff but like <laughs> she married <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I just feel like with the, the whole rings of power thing and then re-watching this it's kind of just like fuck Celeborn I guess like oh, so I that guy. oh it's good that is too fresh that is why <laughs> it's always like, gonna be like Celeborn who 
And now it's like, does this put in now? Is it like Kelleborn wanted to speak with Gandalf? Not about important oh, things, but geez. he was like, oh. <laughs> for I great why are you part with Galadriel 60 years ago? I have a bone to pick. He's like, that was like yesterday for me because I'm an elf. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, mm, don't think I don't know. <laughs> I I really don't know. I I love the idea of a closeness between them, mm-hmm. especially when we think about like it's funny because Rings of Power. We, last time we talked, Rings of Power was not even out at all, no. and um, and now it's you know the whole thing is that uh, the whole first season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think it'd be interesting to see that develop in Rings of Power or just it's fun to think about um seeing them meet and you know having a long relationship history yeah um which I think is what they were trying to hint at with the Hobbit movies is that sort of closeness and the two of them being yeah exactly yeah yeah like I like the idea of them being the actual like the wisest in that Mm -hmm. council right the the two that have each other's backs that are the most wise even beyond Saruman yeah. Um, but then they go with like a step too far and you're like, it, it's just, yeah, they make it kind of weird. Yeah. She like moved some of his hair. They're like holding mm-hmm. hands. I was just mm-hmm. like, I mean, you know, Galadriel can get it, but <laughs> still. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was just one moment where I was like, mm, okay, I'm all right. Right. <laughs> I, it's the, what we're talking about, the choices. The choices. This week on Tolkien Friends, what are these choices Peter Jackson has been making? <laughs> None can explain. It has bewildered scientists for over <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> Experts Questions in their field. <laughs> Still wondering why. why? The X-Files theme playing. Yeah. <laughs> this week on unsolved mysteries uh, <laughs> so yeah so that's that and then um you know meanwhile the dwarves are making their way over the misty mountains but not before we get some sweeping shots to make us think oh fellowship shots <laughs> um, you know and of course like who doesn't want to see gorgeous sweeping shots of you know new zealand aka middle earth but it is it's just funny i'm like well that yeah yeah made good use of that helicopter or the drone or whatever they were using at the time yeah right they're like we have this for the day and we're always in single file (laughs) we're always in single file always single nap we don't talk on our journeys Mm -mm. we We like to to watch each other's backs yeah and and because it was also funny to me because it goes from they're like clearly on you know they're looking down into the valley and then suddenly we're like in grassy area and then we're finally in mountainous area. I was like, I mean, I don't know anything, but you know, it just felt a little like, oh, we left the mountain. No, we're then. It's I'm a sure lot of yeah. I'm sure that it's probably accurate. I just doesn't feel like you're traipsing through the misty mountains until yeah. we get to like stone giant stuff. Yeah, well, it feels like a force moment when you say like they're just this run random one random moment where they're just like flat in in that yeah. line and just feels forced yeah i was like okay all right but uh you know that's that's neither here nor there but that's these are my feelings and this is what we're here for so (laughs) 
So after this, we have, um, oh, and I do just want to say, like, in, as a reminder in the books, Gandalf is with the dwarves for this trek, which is described as a hard path and a dangerous path. Um, and as we're about to see, like, it gets, a, you know, it's just the dwarves for this part because Gandalf stayed behind to distract the White Council. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, but it gets a little, like, I will say, it, it it gets over the top in general, right? But I feel like where Lord of the Rings really knew when to have these action moments, I feel like with The Hobbit, we are just throwing them at us left and right. And so nothing feels impactful. Do you know what I mean? Like we've already had yeah. a battle with the orcs or running away from them. Like we've already had... Um, the trolls you know and then now and we know we're gonna have the goblin stuff like we know mm -hmm. that as book readers but then we have this whole thing with the stone giants and i really thought it was kind of a bummer that they didn't give us kind of a moment like because of course this is the hobby and it is written for children but i will say that tolkien still touches on his creepiness that he's so good at right so like he, um, instead of like throwing this like insane stone giant scene at us, I think it would have been interesting if they would have focused on like this description from the chapter, which is the nights were comfortless and chill and they did not dare to sing or talk out loud or talk too loud for the echoes were uncanny and the silence seemed to dislike being broken. And it's like, give me these creepy moments, kind of like when we're yeah. in Moria, you know, but like, but now we're on a mountain path, you know? And we also know that when we even see the stone giants, they're like across the way and we see mm -hmm. them, you know, it's not like a big deal. It's um, not a stone battle. It's them Thunder hanging battle. out. Yeah, it's like Thunder them battle. hanging out under like an overhang and it's, it is windy and raining. And so they're still kind of getting wet and they're so cold, but they're kind of like trying to make do. And um, Bilbo peeks out and sees um, across the valley, the stone giants were out and were hurling rocks at one another for a game, not being, not punching each other in the face or knocking their heads off, you know. Welcome Sockham robots. Yeah, yeah, like there was no, weird, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was kind of interesting being like, oh, they're on the mountain. Oh, actually they're on a stone giant this whole time. And, but also that like, just uh, map wise, how does that work? You know what I mean? You're following a path. Yeah. And it's not a path, it was a guy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, like, it's, it's just a lot, I feel like, for this moment. Like, just show me them uncomfy. You know what I mean? We yeah. do that in fellowship. Yeah. We see the Midgewater marshes and mm -hmm. we just, you know, they're just, I've got a root in my back, you know, like stuff like that. Like, it's supposed to be that vibe, you know, because we're about to get more. It's about right. to ramp up as far as action goes. Like, I just, I'm like, wait. Or I'm already tired. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. If I'm being too nitpicky, you tell me. But that's how I feel. I mean, yeah, I feel the same way. I don't know about you, Callie, but like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's that's what like it, the boundary of it, like becoming not just a not just a not a great adaptation. I don't say bad adaptation, but like mm -hmm. the difference between a bad adaptation adaptation and just like kind of a bad movie. Um, and that's my person like that's my personal I don't want to say like 
it's a bad yeah. movie for everybody you know there's, no yeah. i mean because it's, it's just, like genuinely as we were just talking about people love it and yeah. and i think that's totally great and i'm so happy that yeah. people can love this movie and i'm like you know we've had a good time we were having right. a good time talking yeah. about it you know yeah. it's not like cut my eyes out i hate this you know what i mean <laughs> Well, as- there was some of that coming up <laughs> in the next section. Yeah. Okay, but okay, okay, there's, there's moments. There's moments. There's highs and lows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what you when you say like, like when it is action, 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 action. Like for me, that's not a good movie. Like knowing the highs and lows and when yeah the 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 the, the, the rises and the falls and the moments of rest are so equally important to me mm. as the moments of action. Right. And this is a, this is a perfect example of that. Like what you were saying, because we come out of Rivendell and the, what makes this a cool chapter to read in the book is that you have this, like this safety that they're coming out of Rivendell, a short rest, right? Is that the title? Yes. Yes. You got <laughs> like, hold on. Hold on. Um, but yeah, so you have this safety and you have this, this, um, you, you kind of coming home, right. And comfort. And then you're immediately thrust into not just like the wild, but the unfamiliar, mm-hmm. right? And the stone giants are such a good, the way that they're written in, in the book are such a good example of that because, because they are seen from afar. You have that distance. So you just get that glimpse of, there are things I don't understand in this world. Mm-hmm. And that's the feeling that I wish they captured instead of just like, rocks thrown at you now rocks thrown yeah. at you then like now you're on a knee somewhere <laughs> right oh now yeah. you're falling off a cliff and we have to yeah. save you and this is a moment of tension it's it's kind of like a really easy moment of tension that you can create a movie with someone just you know hanging out over a cliff and mm-hmm. someone trying to get them off of it and that happens in this scene right like yeah Bilbo mm-hmm. yeah, yeah Thorin and, almost dies saving Bilbo and right and it's like they're they're doing they're trying to capture the moments that they're ignoring in the book through kind of a very easy way to do it um Mm -hmm. instead of like creating that like unfamiliar terrain I don't understand the wild I don't understand this world um and and it's just kind of like yeah yeah, and I think that's for me it's that's a problem we get I think from decentering Bilbo at the heart of this story is that it's too dwarf like they're making also they think they're making the dwarves out to be something that they're not really like this like mm-hmm. action-packed like crazy dudes but it's like by not thinking about just Bilbo's longing for home it just and you know ha- how comfortable he's always been and how he's being pushed mm-hmm. you know it's not really about that it's just like what crazy hijinks can we get up to next you yeah. know and it's like and, and it is yeah. exhausting because it's like we've had several moments of action and tension and that kind of thing and we know there's not like there's still more by the end of this movie Mm -hmm. and it just feels unnecessary and it's what makes I know we're not trying to get ahead too much but it is what makes the riddle riddles in the dark scene in the movie so good because Mm -hmm. it's like five minutes uninterrupted of just Bilbo and Gollum it exactly how it is in the book and you don't need these, you don't need to add anything or take away anything. It's just a solid five. It's a moment of rest, but mm-hmm. also that creepiness and tension. Yeah. And, like, and they're just, they're, they're spitting riddles at each other. Like, could you, like on paper, that's extremely boring, like, but, right. but done well, like it's, it's just it's done a, that's so well. The, and that's the thing is it, 
Peter and team do know how to hit those moments. We've seen them do it mm-hmm. time and again. So it, and I know that there were production issues with this movie. I know that there were things, but it's like, and maybe it was studio pressure to just keep adding mm-hmm. and adding, but that just seems, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird thing to have to deal with when we know that they were kind of allowed to make Lord yeah. of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah. And uh, I just, I'm not, it's, it's hard for me to say like, what was Peter and team? What was studio interference? Like, I just don't know. And all I have is like, what's presented here. And I'm just like, well, why? <laughs> yeah, it, it makes it worse knowing that they are capable of better yeah well and and I will say like with the whole like Bilbo getting knocked off and like having to be saved by Thorin and then it's like does anyone else feel like it was so rude and like out of nowhere for Thorin to be say that he has no place among them yeah I I was like how rude Thorin was in these movies like he he's so <laughs> he's so mean to Bilbo. like he's supposed to be haughty and like self-important but not just a straight-up dick he's a jerk yeah which yeah. I do I kind like again like I could see reasoning behind it like they it but felt really out of left field in that moment to me like shouldn't they just be yes, like, <laughs> like <that> <laughs> It, it feels really forced the whole yeah. I remember watching the, the whole trilogy it feels very forced these moments of tension don't they have it in I'm like remembering now um after the after the eagles before the eagles rescue them yeah out of the firing pen into the fire yeah um they have a hot like Thorn versus Bilbo moment yeah and then I they have so. like a moment of like Thorn right after that after they get rescued of like oh, you're good after all. I think I could respect you. And then I think it goes immediately back into, oh, how dare you consider yourself good enough to be on this journey? And yeah. I remember that, like, it just it just was too much, like, hot and cold for me. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if they built it for Thorne's death scene to make that more compelling. By the time that Thorne dies, he has a great respect for Bilbo, but maybe, but I so feel like better. they don't even give Bilbo enough moments for that to even yeah. feel authentic like right yeah it doesn't feel earned yeah 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 this was one of the yeah I think this one came out of nowhere for me was, yeah and I, I feel like, like oh, this yeah, is where we're like really him. yeah I'm like this is where we're really starting to see like him do that like that whole thing start yeah you know because they haven't really interacted too too much I mean they they were at the sh- in back end but not very much um so stone giants aside now we're we find uh the cave that turns out to be the goblins front porch right and both the book and movie essentially bilbo has trouble sleeping um but i guess because thorin was a jerk earlier movie bilbo decides he's gonna head home and i was like in this weather (laughs) you can't like wait a minute and also um they you know and in the book he is having troubled dreams and they basically come true about like the crack opening in the back which i think would have been cool i think peter could have done that i, don't I think we should have seen that yeah that would have been tr- like properly dramatic and mm-hmm. yeah that would have been awesome yeah but instead they have this thing where he's like 
also Bilbo being a jerk. You don't belong anywhere. I'm like, that doesn't mean I don't get that. Like quit making this about the dwarves and their housing issues because they literally, (laughs) the thing is, is that like, yeah, maybe like the home they like a home that they have were known for was take, but they like, they do have like proper accommodations in the blue mountains. Like they were fine. You know, this is really about money. This isn't about like, (laughs) don't forget family. Yeah. Like I don't, nobody lives there anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, this is a money thing guys. Don't get it twisted. Um, so, so he was all being rude too. And Thorne was listening. But then they see, you know, but then they have like the floor kind of fall out from under them instead of like, uh, you know, the ponies mysteriously disappear. But also no ponies. There are no ponies. We've we've left our ponies behind so that we could have this like treacherous little tiny path thing that they were doing before what we were talking about. And so I, I do want to say that uh, that's weird to just not have ponies anymore um but But also i'm grateful for that because um the book makes it very clear that the goblins eat the ponies yeah i'm Mm. he says i am afraid that and i also love the way that tolkien writes this book he inserts himself more he's like narrator will just like come in and have a thought and he because he he writes exactly i'm afraid that was the last i ever saw of those excellent ponies and goes on to say because goblins eat goblins ponies when they can. and i was like no darn it <laughs> and this I is not gonna be the last confirm. this is not gonna be the last time that book dwarves have ponies that get eaten mm. <sighs> all right yeah. and, and yeah. i just and i think tolkien feels bad about it because when we get to fellowship we have several groups or several ponies that we come mm-hmm. into contact with in very precarious and dangerous situations and none mm-hmm. of them die none of them get a scratch you know and i i think he was feeling bad about it i think he was like i shouldn't have done that in a kid's book i need them to know i need them to know that ponies can survive (laughs) treacherous situation well it's almost like he was thinking the reverse because there's that that line in fellowship um when they let go of the ponies and they say and he says uh so they were saved a long and arduous journey but they Mm -hmm. never saw rivendell and I love Those that sentiment. But Bill Those, does. Yes. Yes. But it's almost like he's thinking, like you said, it's like he's thinking about them, like, like a good experience for them, mm-hmm. right? And like what could what could actually like change them in for the better instead of just like yeah. dying and not being thought about. It's, it, it, he is thinking about them in a different sense. I think I think that's a good point. Yeah. All, all the ponies make it. Even Bill. Even poor mm-hmm. old Bill. Good old Bill. I know. Best pony. And Best like, boy. And also, like, I love Fatty Lumpkin. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but he was never in a danger. He's with Tom. Yeah. Tommy B. He's chilling. Yeah, he's yeah. living the life. I just imagine yeah. him like a My Little Pony. Like, <laughs> like one of the toys from the 80s version. What would be his little, um, his little, like, I don't know. I think he's Stars, blue. clouds. Yeah, I think he's yeah. probably, he's probably got lilies. Right. Oh, yes. oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he wears a hat. Yeah. Yeah. A feathered hat. Mm-hmm. He matches his dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, or I guess they're not like that. They're not like pet parents, but I think, you know, besties. Yeah. yeah. Besties they start to resemble out. each other. Yeah. The best. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
thing. So, so that's what those are my thoughts. The ponies. We are going to see more tragedy for ponies, but uh, Peter is cutting out the tragedy for the ponies, <laughs> which is fine. You know, I'm just saying it just seems like a hard way to get around Middle Earth without a pony or two. Yeah. So he just yeah. like ditches them. So I like, like they they definitely they were there and then have not. well like they don't get eaten by the trolls. Bilbo lets them go, but I guess that's it. Then they end up running mm. on foot away from the orcs. I guess mm. they just go off into the wild. Maybe yeah. those- <laughs> maybe they're the ancestors of the ponies we see in Fellowship. But like because movie ponies just peace out. They're like, yeah, that's yeah. that's enough. <laughs> um, so so that's movie ponies. They leave us after the trolls because Bilbo yeah. lets them go. Mm-hmm. Okay, I forgotten that. Yeah, because the trolls try to eat them. It, it's like a little different. It's not them. I skipped, it's, uh, I skipped that's the trolls when I watched the movie. <laughs> I uh, was so, like, not my chapter. Not, not my chapter, <laughs> not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's the story of Movie Pony. So they're all, they're, I'm assuming they're fine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they did not make the trip to Rivendell. We went a weird way to Rivendell in the movies. Um, so that's ponies, and they get captured by the dwarves, and they kind of just like fall into this little catch system. I feel like they do this all the time. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah. you know, and then the goblins kind of swarm them, um, and they we do get the great goblin singing the goblin song and like i think it 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 is the words mostly yeah uh, and there the words are always kind of silly but i do think it was interesting to note that tolkien writes that bilbo found it said that it, it sounded truly terrifying to bilbo mm-hmm. that's definitely not the vibe in the movie it's no. very like no it's not silly but we get it so that's cool um but now i think at this point we have to talk about the design of the goblins oh right i think we have to oh right i have in all caps why did they make him so gross that is the thing right like (laughs) it's okay so for anybody who I know we've talked, we mentioned this before, but if anybody is confused, orcs are goblins, goblins are orcs, and hobgoblins are the larger kinds of orc. Um, but I don't think they ever use hobgoblin in the movie, but they, they call them goblins. Um, but it is just another word for orc, which I know that he used that because of the, the way that this is written for kids, you know, and goblin is more of a, a term that they probably would have been familiar with. And especially, you know, particularly the time as well as far as like the way fairy stories were historically written um and they are like you know they're i just don't know why they didn't go with like the moria orc design if they wanted like a smaller orc creature they but with the goblins in the movies so many people on the internet have confused them as like a whole different thing yeah yeah a whole different creature and they but and like the design is very like fleshy like they just look like freaky babies and then the great goblin <laughs> is like pussy and weird like i don't know he's yeah. got so bed sores or something i don't know yeah i don't know yeah, the the biggest offense for me is the is the goblin king it's mm-hmm. 
uh, and I know it's, I know it's, he's voiced by um, a great actor. Yeah. Uh, but I hate uh, it. I hate the combination. Like Barry Humphreys or something? A, it's, I, I just, it doesn't match with the actual image of that they created for the Goblin King. And then the Goblin King's image well, separately is just terrible to me. Yeah. I despise the Goblin King so much in the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Um, it's it's I one of the worst. Why the worst. do you think they went with this like CG I fleshy? I I thing. This is one of the things that I think just baffles me. It's like the same mm-hmm. thing with like the third movie with a CG Dane. Yeah. I, ha- I while riding I, a warthog, like I I cannot I cannot explain. Even if I were like, oh, well, maybe this or that. I'm like, I'm like, did I, he not understand that orcs and goblins are the same thing? Or did is, was he just in the mood to create a new critter? I'm sure the latter, right? Yeah. Probably. I just think they could have been Moria orcs. You know, those guys were tiny and creepy. Yeah. And then I the great mind. goblin could have been like a regular orc. Yeah, I don't mind them looking like different from the orcs. Like there's different types of, you know, orcs I guess and got like I don't really mind but they they are quite different and mm-hmm. like I said the goblin king just not given awful it's just yeah. not good. it's like what you said like Bilbo it's terrifying versus laughable mm-hmm. and I, I don't know I just don't think that was what it deserved yeah I just and, and it sucks too because like Martin Freeman's acting is so good. Mm-hmm. You have these amazing actors that could have acted against something that was terrifying, especially as a prelude to Riddles in the Dark or like yeah. you know, Gollum scene, which is also terrifying in its own right, mm-hmm. um, and for totally different reasons. But yeah, the yeah, I I just it's I a hard it. one. It's a hard one because I'm really I'm I know I'm not really maybe showing it. In this episode but I am trying to like <laughs> enjoy these movies do you know what I mean and um but here are my qualms here are yeah. my issues you know like yeah. <sighs> so you know we get the song which is where we can say for like Lord of the Rings we don't get a lot of songs so we get the mm-hmm. song we're getting some songs we didn't get Tralala Lally but like fine whatever like <laughs> It, I imagine it was it'd be very hard to go back from Lord of the Rings and have these uh, like it could have been fun. respected elves and throw in the tralalali, but um, but imagine like maybe if they made I think it, they went like, too hard voices, on like, like yeah I think they went like too that. hard on like serious elves in this yeah. like yeah elves are fun all right and also Gandalf yeah. is fun you know what I mean like the way that Gandalf yeah. can also be serious and silly like yeah they're like that um so okay so those are the goblins they're just they're here they're look like little babies that are went wrong um (laughs) (laughs) um and so at this point like when they're captured you know obviously uh in the book bilbo was with the dwarves through the whole scene you know the interrogation with thorin the gandalf's return the running to escape stuff Um, And it's only when they are running away for the second time. So like, if you haven't read the books and you've only seen this and you see Bilbo kind of just crouches down and they 
somehow don't notice, even though he's bigger than that. I don't know. They somehow don't notice Bilbo, and I guess that's just like the vibe they're going for. And they run away with the dwarves, and he, I guess he means to follow them to see how he can help them escape. But then a bigger goblin guy shows up, and they fight. This is in the movie. This and really. Well, in the movie, this is like his first time fighting with somebody by himself and they tumble and fall deeper into the mountain. Um, But and that's, you know, when they start his seeing of Gollum, um, which I only watched for a few seconds. And I was like, I got to fast forward. Why are we doing this already? (laughs) Um, So we're going to see that next time. But in the book. You know, Bilbo is with them the whole time. He is, and he makes a point of saying that he's at the back closest to the whips of the goblins um, because they are not very nice. Um, And we'll get into that in a second because I feel like Tolkien's description of them is pretty neat, pretty interesting uh, compared to what we've seen in Lord of the Rings, particularly. Um, But Bilbo can't run as fast as the dwarves so when they have when Gandalf has shown up he did his poof which I thought was pretty cool in the movie I thought that was pretty that made sense to me the way he just kind of shows up and it's like yay Gandalf um (laughs) they they run away immediately and you know I know Gandalf in the movie tells them to take up arms and fight or whatever but um they run away and (laughs) they're they're running and they're being chased and the goblins have torches and stuff but Bilbo can't run as fast as the dwarves who I they noted can roll along at a tremendous pace but goblins are a little bit faster but they got a head start so Bilbo is being passed around to the different dwarves like being carried because he can't keep up with them and at one point the dwarves are the goblins catch up with the dwarves and Gandalf and Thorin turn around with Glamdring and Orcrist and scare them with that. And that's when the goblins are like, mm, this isn't working. So they put out the torches because they can pretty much see fine and they put on soft shoes so they don't make any noise. <laughs> and that's when they come up behind them and they pull Dory out from under Bilbo, not realizing that they're like stacked on top of each other and need, you know, like Bilbo also needed to be grabbed. Um, and that's when Bilbo falls in the dark and that's how he gets separated from the group you know um so he's separated much later in the book than he is in the movie and i guess because they wanted to them to emerge around the same time but i think it kind of would have been interesting if they had been just you know let bilbo be by himself and not cutting back and forth with the dwarves yeah would have been nice um but that's okay. Uh, we'll talk about it more. I swear we will. <laughs> but I, what, another thing I want to point out was that they've completely changed like the scenery of Goblin Town. You know, like they're not in like a dark, untidy tunnels. They're on all these like suspended mm-hmm. bridges and like makeshift landings, and there's a lot of wood and haphazardy kind of stuff. And this is kind of like directly in opposition to what we're given in the book. And I just want to read this passage because it is very neat. Um, And Tolkien ain't playing no games. He comes out with, now goblins are cruel, wicked, and bad-hearted. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) 
seems like sweeping judgment, but sure. Uh, they make no beautiful things, but they make many clever ones. They can tunnel and mine as well as any but the most skilled dwarves when they take the trouble, though they are usually untidy and dirty. Hammers, axes, swords, daggers, pickaxes, tongs, and also instruments of torture they make very well or get other people to make to their design. They're designing them. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, prisoners and slaves that they have to work till they die for want of air and light. It is not unlikely that they invented some of the machines that have since troubled the world, especially the ingenious devices of for killing large numbers of people at once, for wheels and engines and explosions always delighted them, and also not working with their own hands more than they could help. But in those days and those wild parts, they had not advanced, as it is so-called, so far. And I just think that passage is so interesting. Um, and it really reminds me of Saruman that we get in lord of the rings you know mind of metal and wheels it reminds me of when sam later on realizes that he doesn't want to rule the, like when he has the one ring and he doesn't want like to force people to garden for him he wants to do it with mm -hmm. his own hand so we're really getting a lot of like values of tolkien up front here and yeah and one thing that i think is cool about the hobbit that doesn't really happen in lord of the rings is that he is juxtaposing this with like our modern day right like this is the past and these guys have made things that you know what I mean like he's weaving in the war stuff without weaving in the war stuff you know what I mean like people bad people make weapons of mass destruction you mm -hmm. know what I mean and those are the orcs that's who he sees them as in at least at this point in time when he's writing this and I just thought that was so interesting because like, obviously the scene in the movie is very goofy. Like we're not learning anything new about like, we don't really care, right? To get to know who these guys are. They're just a problem for the dwarves to solve. But also like, it just becomes like mayhem. Like that whole scene when they're running away, it's like, they're all separated and they're together and they're just like fighting. And it's, it's just an immense amount of goblins. Uh, I'm glad that Gandalf still gets to deal with like, the killing blow to the great goblin, but then it's like you turn around and it's like there's so many of them. Oh yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, but I thought that this was really interesting. Like they're design, like they design weapon. Like these guys are autonomous. Like they're not silly. They're scary, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they have stuff to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we both pulled that quote of goblins don't make beautiful things, but clever ones. Mm -hmm. Thought that was that was a good mm -hmm. one. It's really a moment um, that compares goblins and dwarves in a really mm -hmm. interesting way. Um, yeah. And it's while it is dangerous to take something written in a book and say, this is the author's views on XYZ. That is dangerous. But this is one of those moments where it's pretty hard to deny that Tolkien is putting his feelings on, he's writing down his feelings on industrialization. Yeah, um, and it's not the last time we see it. It's not the last time know? either. It's, it's one of the, the most clear moments where we really see his views on um, machinery and um, weapons and mm -hmm. the state of current war 
Um, mm-hmm. So while we don't want to do that too often, because, you know, just in the realm of literature studies, it's not right. always this means that. Uh, but this is just one of those moments where it's just so hard to hard to deny. Um, he was very <laughs> anti-industrialist. Um, but um, but yeah, the moment of uh, like comparing the dwarves and goblins on their creations is really interesting too. Um, especially when you think about like the wider world of Middle Earth and dwarves mm-hmm. and Alley and um, his Alley's need and desire to create. Um, not coming from a selfish place really but just you know wanting to create in the image um it all just kind of works works really well together and yeah um, and it's also interesting now that you say that because so often it's like elves versus orcs right Mm -hmm. but it's like here it's making a lot of comparisons to orcs and dwarves and it's so it's Mm -hmm. really more like orcs versus free people like the rest of the free peoples of middle earth right and it's also you know, I know that we have used that as like a general term in the lores previously and in other places about like elves, men, dwarves as the free peoples. And so that just makes me also think that like the orcs kind of are a stand in for like they're the the other there. They're, mm-hmm. They're peoples, but mm-hmm. maybe not so free. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it's like you see them in these positions like this is kind of orcs when they're not really following anybody they're just kind of doing their own thing in the misty mountains and but still not a free people which i think you know they're still like under the i don't know if you want to call the curse of morgoth or whatever you want to call it but there's but they're making things they're doing their own thing um and i i don't know it's just so interesting and i also think it's interesting to have this where it's much more like a black and white understanding of orcs versus like when we see them later in Lord of the Rings and we were like overhearing them talk like yeah sure they're not like the nicest guys but they it does kind of to me they seem to be more in a difficult position of like trying to deal with like their reputation and how other people see them and what they want out of life at the same time you know they're kind of just going with like the best option they have considering everything else you know um but here it's you know it is yeah for kids and it is more simplified yeah I would say I always thought like uh, goblins and orcs are definitely interchangeably but if there were to be a difference between goblin and, and orcs in Tolkien's writing it's simply his headspace mm-hmm. in actually writing it down so you're you're so right that these goblins really come from the Victorian fairy tale. Um, even though Tolkien would deny it, um, he, he denied it uh, pretty fiercely, uh, except for George MacDonald's goblins, the goblins that we see in Princess and the Goblin, mm-hmm. um, which he admitted that they resemble quite a bit and owe a great debt, a deal to George MacDonald's um, goblin tradition. But even like later, he didn't really like love that idea. He definitely was influenced and admitted influence from it. Um, but then later in life, because he had all these complicated emotion, like thoughts and emotions on, and like ethical, like questions of agency and where they came from and like their hard choices, like you said, like they, they are different in Lord of the Rings and they have, um, you know, where do they come from and do they have fate, free will, choice? 
um, that kind of complicated things. And then he backtracked and was like, oh, no, 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 I don't, I did, I don't even like George McDonald. I don't even like that book. How dare you say that? Um, <laughs> so, so he has a complicated um, relationship in history with goblins. Um, but at the time of writing this book for children, they are somewhat one dimensional and they are mm -hmm. very much the goblins that children would be scared of. And I think he wanted to evoke that particular particular image um, yeah that would I be agree that would be scary to kids yeah I agree and then I but then I love that he still can't like he's still got to throw in like the industrial stuff mm -hmm. yeah you know he's like by the way this is the bad kind of stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah. you should be equating the terrible things you see today with these terrible depictions that make you fearful in this mm -hmm. fantasy story I am going to plug my phone in real quick because it's dying yeah. because I oh, have sure. it. So pause it. Yeah. We'll pause. We'll pause for one second. So I'm using it for Wi-Fi. I didn't want it to like oh that's yeah. right oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah and that's like probably zapping your battery too yeah i was yeah. like she, she's an old girl she can't take too much you know yeah I know she's gotta like, get some juice it's like my computer <laughs> um but really those are all my notes for this portion that we're allowed to talk about since <laughs> riddles in the dark gets in the way peter um and so we'll be doing some backtracking next time and starting the movie at like two hours and 10 minutes even though i stopped this portion of the movie at two hours and 30 minutes so we're gonna get at least 20 maybe 25 minutes of movie next time um but is there anything else that we missed that we, any other notes y'all had that we should touch on before we walk away from Overhill and Underhill? Also, what? do you think it's a reference to this that Gandalf is making when he tells Frodo to take the name Underhill? I've kind of wondered that. Yeah. I don't know. Or does I, Tolkien just love it, saying Underhill? I thought it was more just because he lived under a hill. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> yeah. very literally. Like, I, didn't <laughs> I could see there were so many like little happenstances with Tolkien, yeah. I think, um, where he just totally didn't like think about it, um, especially when it comes to language. <laughs> what do I think about? Well, it's is, like, um, it feels like it's like this type of the, the way he writes in the hobbit it's got yeah. such a whimsical take on middle mm. earth and like it it's almost like he tries to ground the first part of fellowship in this mm -hmm. version mm -hmm. right before he kind of goes off mm -hmm. and it becomes a bigger thing so maybe it's yeah. just like that it's got the vibe so he used mm -hmm. it yeah but, he was in the mindset for it he was writing yeah. you know the, the hobbit sequel mm -hmm. <laughs> in his head yeah so at that point yeah um, I had a note. I was reading when I was reading the chapter. I was reading the annotated version of The Hobbit, oh. which it had been a while since I read that. Um, and I either I read this and forgot about it or never knew. Um, but so 
he Douglas Douglas Anderson writes that the, the goblin crack idea actually came from something. So the idea of like a crack in the wall where like you can fall through into like goblin, oh. um, it might be inspired by a 1920s play where children fall through a crack between yesterday and tomorrow and have to watch out for goblins. And the play is called Through the Crack. Um, and I, I just totally never knew that. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Wow. Is that like a scary story that they would tell kids or? It's, it was a play. It was a 1920s play. Um, so oh. I don't know if it came from like a, right, like a nighttime story that eventually be, I worked its way into the yeah. imagination of one person who wrote this play or if it was really just as one person's imagination. The, the idea of like falling through a crack between yesterday and tomorrow is like so like early like 20th century like yeah. children's story um that maybe that but yeah but the idea of like uh and then watching out for goblins along the way um so who knows if if Tolkien saw that or heard about it or or whatever maybe. um but I thought that was really interesting um and then all of my notes too are just from like I just love the language of the language that Tolkien uses same like while talking about the goblins like you pulled out that really great great quote um but the goblins like it's so like on a metopoeic where it's like clash snap bang whip like it's so Mm -hmm. like that's what makes it terrifying like what you what we were talking about of like how Bilbo felt terrified because those what they are singing about is the action uh, that they were that they will do against you um Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing is that it's, like, also, like, in the movie, like, I think the actor's name is Barry Humphreys that plays the Great Goblin. He's the only one that really sings. Like, the other ones, they have, like, squeakier voices, Mm -hmm. and they, they kind of echo him sometimes, but it says... When they start to sing in the book, it says the goblins begin to sing or croak, keeping time mm. with the flap of their flat feet on the stone, which also makes me think Princess and the Goblin. Now that yes. you say that, the yes. flat feet, that stuff on their feet, stuff on their yes. feet. <laughs> That's <laughs> They're so, so Princess and the Goblin. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they put on shoes, mm-hmm. yeah, to quiet their feet. Oh my god, it's all coming mm. together, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you should do a Princess. Yeah, there's and the lots go- of similar. Have you seen the cartoon? The yes. Princess and the Goblin. Oh, I, I, I grew up watching it. Yeah. Same. And then it was only it was only until I was studying Tolkien that I was like, oh, it's a book. And Tolkien loved this book. And I went the through goblins a phase are so similar. In college where I was like, I'm gonna finally read The Last Unicorn and like The Princess yeah. and the Goblin and like these yeah. things that I had yeah. watched as a kid. Like I'm like, those are those weird ass cartoons. So, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know think anybody were... else was watching Princess of the Goblin with me. But... Oh my gosh. Yes, me, I was watching it. I <laughs> I like some <laughs> do you ever just like think about like the voice actors? Like they're yes. just like the, like the little girl is just like grandma. Like I, I have know. her voice in my I mean, head of being like, Do you okay? <laughs> do you remember the ad that would play on the VHS for the calling card and they would reference that the ring? That she had, you know how she had that ring and it had the thread? Mm -hmm. They, there was an ad on the VHS with characters from the movie about like, like a one, like a card so that you can make collect calls if you were lost. What? Yeah. I I don't remember that. This is, see, I cannot remember last week, but do (laughs) I remember this ad? 
Wait, yes, I do. so was it like, do you also get lost in caves underground searching for her? I can't remember, but it was very much like the grandma explaining like, like how it works. Oh. To the, yeah. But I was yeah. obsessed with like the whole secret door thing and like yes. the, the ring. Like I was. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are many similarities between the two books yeah uh, i'm I, yeah. this is now real for me like these mm-hmm. goblins are those goblins now yep so, and this is what tolkien himself admitted to <laughs> oh my god yeah so the yeah. goblins and, and princess and the goblin hate singing so singing is what hurts right them. so it's the singing and the stomping on their feet um so that's like an interesting difference that i like thinking mm-hmm. about is that these he's like i like the sing. design but we everybody yeah. be singing in the hobbit yeah like, but right. everyone's singing but their yeah. songs are like their their machines they're not mm-hmm. meant to be beautiful like they're not just we don't craft things to be beautiful for the sake of beauty mm. we craft things and we're creative to harm girl this is why you are on the podcast <laughs> changing my life every time <laughs> i think about goblins too much guys <laughs> somebody has to kelly somebody has to nobody has to think no of the goblins because i prefer not to <laughs> yeah mm. now i'm rereading the the song and i will say i'm excited so the plan if anybody cares uh for season three is to talk about the animated hobbit and animated was, lord of the rings i was gonna ask you yeah. about that because i the the hobbit the, anim- the animated hobbit was one on repeat like, oh yeah as a kid like and i watched the some of the you know lord of the rings ones but it wasn't mm. like the same sort of thing where i would like i would put it on and watch it and rewatch it and rewatch it um but uh but i, I I love the 1977 <laughs> yeah well it's like i feel like they do a really good job with the song mm-hmm. you know with the clap snap the black crack grip grab pinch nab and down mm-hmm. down to goblin town because it's like you go my lad and ho ho my lad i mm-hmm. feel like that's hard for me to just read and sound creepy mm-hmm. but the way they're like oh, oh, oh my lad. i don't know yeah. it, it works it <laughs> oh, works oh my lad yeah, yeah i'm just not in that <laughs> but (laughs) but i i definitely think it works so i think that'll be fun to yeah rewatch and you know go page by page like this a little bit um but also like i think bilbo having it sound truly terrifying is also because he is literally getting like whipped at the same time as he's listening to this so that does sound terrible sorry bilbo sounds like a bad time yeah it's not a bad time but there is like a section um, that I had sort of picked out and it goes with like what you were saying about the language of it. Um, and I find this description like truly horrifying. Um, so it's when the goblins uh, see biter or beater for the first time and they're all freaking out. Um, and so it says the yells and yammering, croaking, gibbering and jabbering, howls, growls and curses shrieking and shriking that followed were beyond description several hundred wild cats and wolves being roasted slowly alive together would not have compared with it whoa (laughs) (laughs) i read that and then i had to read it again and i was like what that's horrifying yeah i mean 
Uh, that does make the scale of him having so many goblins in the movie make kind of sense. But they don't get that moment really where they're, it's really, they focus so much on the great goblin because they got like a legit actor yeah. for it. So like, yeah. sure, get your paper. But like, I yeah. feel like the thing with the goblins in this is just like the collective being scary, you know, not- it's, For me, that, that quote that you pulled out, Callie, is another sort of like, yells and yammering and croaking and jabbering mm-hmm. it's it's to evoke chaos and what he does with the language is that that language of just verb verb wait no not the verb uh adjective adjective, adjective mm-hmm. like where it's just like it just evokes the cha- the chaotic feeling um mm-hmm. and the the harmful feeling and the it just it's yeah and again, it's part of that onomatopoeia and like the way the that the the Gandalf's reveal I mean we don't know it's Gandalf yet you know and it's like the sparks were burning holes in the goblet you know like we've got the poof um and the tower of blue smoke and you know there's like sparks and stuff and these are burning holes in the goblins and the smoke that now fell from the roof made the air too thick for even their eyes to see through and they're falling over one another and rolling in heaps you know um I don't know. We, it, I don't, it doesn't have the same vibe in the movie. And it's still like, follow me quick, said a voice fierce and quiet. And, you know, finally, eventually Bilbo understands that it's Gandalf, you know. But if... also, can we talk about how Gandalf has a wand in this? He's lighting, he lit his wand on the front porch and he lit up his wand again here for them to see. Not staff, wand. Is it used interchangeably or does he often, does he have a wand and staff? I'm trying to remember. I don't know. I haven't or seen them mention like, his staff yet. They just say wand. I wonder if, I wonder if that's, if the wand is used as staff and vice versa. Maybe. Radagast is, gives him his staff right before the scene. Is that? Try to remember what we talked about just two weeks ago. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I think Radagast, I think that's- Radagast when... gives him the stone, I think. Or does that mean just him taking it out to heal his hedgehog? Yeah. I don't know, but I was like, I don't know, but reading it, yeah. obviously I visualize like Harry Potter wand. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Gandalf oh, yeah. can have both. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he can have all the accessories. He can yeah. have the ones with you. <laughs> yeah, they're probably yeah. detachable. Because <laughs> I remember in the design of the movies, they show like how there's like a shot or like a, maybe it's just a production photo of like how the uh, pipe fits into the mm, staff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the staff. you could throw a right. wand in there. You could throw a wand. Yeah. This is just like a, like a vacuum cleaner, like accessory little yeah. thing. Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I just thought that was interesting because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, wand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think my eyes glossed over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good catch, Andy. Mm-hmm. But I just love the, the language of The Hobbit. You know, I just think it's mm-hmm. so cute. When he's and like, you know, when he, he'll kind of insert about how like Bilbo, when every time Bilbo thinks about home and how he misses the comforts of back end and it's like not for, not the, last for the first time, time. Not for the last time. That's right. like he gonna be thinking this again y'all it's gonna get rough like, I just think that's cute when he does stuff like that and obviously we lose it in Lord of the Rings but I maybe it's because I read this first and you know when I was I think I've, I've told the story like a billion times at this point but just like me and my mom reading these together I don't 
I think we read Lord of the Rings together. I think I just read The Hobbit by myself. Mm -hmm. And so like, it was my first foray into Middle Earth. So I always feel like Middle Earth should be kind of whimsical. And maybe that's why I couldn't get into the Silmarillion Mm -hmm. as a kid. I was like, because I was also like a history nerd. Like I like watched the History Channel. Like it was cartoon sometimes, you know? (laughs) And like, I was just like, neat tell me you know tell me story um and I also used to think that being on the history channel could be a job I didn't think about how they were they were professors like they were no I I too have the dream of being a a talking head on just something I just want to be an expert in something something that they ask me somehow yeah and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like that's what I thought they did I'm like more eloquently than I've ever had in my life and and just talking about whatever yeah I also I share that dream Kelly we're the same that's that's what I'm realizing we had the same childhood (laughs) (laughs) yeah I always thought that that was um you know so I feel like I could have liked it more if I had been you know maybe wasn't it like Chris and like Amber that have they read the film first or something there are people that exist like that and I and I think maybe if I had gotten a hold of it separately or I don't know but it just felt like Middle Earth was supposed to be the Hobbit to me and that's why I was able to like like fellowship made sense you know and then by that point like I'm I'm just going on the the journey you know um but I just love this book I think it's so cute there's just the way it's written is really fun yeah I think it's interesting because you're right I don't often think about I do think about them being so so different the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings Mm -hmm. And I do think about, oh, like complaints from other people being like, it takes forever for Lord of the Rings for anything to happen. I can't get past whatever. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Every word, every sentence is amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. It, it really helps, especially young readers when they've read the, the Hobbit. It really eases them. I mean, it was a tale that grew in the telling, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it feels like. And because they left that in, I feel like a modern publisher would not have let that actually happen they would want it right. to be you know they'd cut out certain things and want it to just be like the start of a brand new epic but because they left that feeling in of like it starts to grow mm-hmm. um you are able to yourself grow from somebody who reads what you know children's stories to somebody who reads epics and legends and and falls in love with reading that way but i i, I think I, I often forget that that is like such a gateway into into yeah. epics and and legends and that sort of stuff because yeah. it does feel like you're reading more of the Hobbit in the beginning and you're just getting all this background information. Um, I love it, and it's more Hobbits and more fun and all the whimsy, right? The whimsy of unexpected parties is mm-hmm. definitely there. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like I don't think if this was its own separate thing, a, a, I don't think we would have gotten the prologue the way that we did because he literally at the end of the Hobbit promises more stuff about mm-hmm. Hobbits in yeah. Lord of the Rings. So he kind of like mm-hmm. has to, and some of it feels like it was added later. Like he's talking about Sam and Frodo as if we know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Like, Wait, we don't yeah. know this before yet. Like yeah. I do, but you know what I mean. Um, and. Yeah. Also with the way that like Bilbo giving out these like sarcastic gifts to his family and like, mm-hmm. like, I don't think we would have gotten it like that if Lord of the Rings had been created on its own, right? Without right. the Hobbit. If right. No Conceived Hobbit. Conceived as Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah. Instead of, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, but I'm like, mm. but like, I think you need Hobbits in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. And that's also Which, my problem with the Silmarillion. 
where yeah. no hobbits which <laughs> they like, goes to like point and rings of power favor like they added the harfoots and i think i i was like sure all mm-hmm. right but then yeah. I, I ended up loving them i thought they did really a really good job with presenting that little whimsy and heart and oftentimes like they are like the heart of the story and I'm, i think that they accomplished that but i think they had they the creators of rings of power felt that same thing or how what's middle earth without hobbits yeah and I've, I've seen like mostly dudes, but like some people that are like real hardcore lore nerds and they're like, <laughs> like they don't need hobbits for it to be like Middle Earth. But I'm like, well, we don't need hobbits. I've, <laughs> I've seen people say that. And I'm like, I think you Nonsense. misunderstand the magic <laughs> <you> assignment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. If you want to fight me about it, don't. I don't feel like it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They could just go play Skyrim, right? Yeah. Go go forth and yeah, go go whatever video game that takes elves and dwarves and yeah. Yeah. Go live that life. Yeah. It's not for me. And that's for you. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, um that's all I ha- did you is that I think that feels like this where we will leave. Great chat, yeah. ladies. Yeah. I love it every time. The best always so, every time. Always so much fun talking to you guys. <laughs>